Get stuffed. Hello and welcome back to Double Stuff Cinema. I'm Tyler and this is episode number 44. I'm your host, Neil. I'm Shrey. I'm Andrew. And today we're actually beginning our journey of revisiting every Nolan movie. Uh, If you've seen the title, you know we're talking about Memento today, which is actually Nolan's second film. We are going to be skipping uh, The Following and Insomnia. I think The Following was his first one, but... Nobody ever really remembers Insomnia or the following, so we don't either. We're just going to ignore those and move right on to Memento, because that's where that's where Nolan gets really interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I don't know. Yeah, that's where he really starts messing with time and everything. But uh, before we get into that, uh, we did want to talk about some very big news that kind of hit the entertainment industry just a couple of days ago. Uh, uh the death of Chadwick Boseman, who many of you knew as Black Panther or Jackie Robinson or more, most recently in The Five Bloods. Um, I don't know. It, it came out of a complete surprise to me. I don't know about you guys. Um, I know I texted you guys as soon as I heard about it. It Was that when you guys heard about it as well? Yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I had, yeah. like, four people text me at once. They were like, he died. And I was like, wait, what? When did this happen? Yeah. Yeah. It was out of nowhere. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. anyone really was able to uh, see that coming since part of the, part of the you know, reason is because he was able to, like, hide it, basically, you know? Yeah, for, I mean. For the last four years, I want to say. Yeah, I think he was diagnosed in, or, yeah, he was diagnosed in 2016, which is, like, right around the time that, uh, he appeared as Black Panther for the first time in Civil War. So it was like... It's crazy he, to think about if he shot that whole movie with that. Yeah, he played he played a physically demanding role like Black Panther four times over the course yeah, yeah. of those four years, which is just it's insane, you know? Um, I know it came as a big shock to all of us, like, us being huge comic book fans and everything, being huge fans of the MCU, we've talked about those movies quite often. Um, you know, I I saw Black Panther uh, opening night uh, when it came back came out back in 2018, and that was such a crazy experience because that's one of the most energized crowds I've ever seen. You know, for one of those movies, other than like maybe Endgame. Hmm. It was definitely really highly anticipated, and then I think that, like, in terms of, uh, you know, Chadwick Boseman's performance, I think it was even better than I thought it would be, you know? Yeah. yeah. Especially because he got to kind of preview it in Civil War, and mm-hmm. so that kind of created the hype for this movie, and I think he mm-hmm. really surpassed the expectations that people had. Yeah. Um, I also ended up seeing this last year during Chicago's like movies in the park things that they do over the summer. And that experience was just so much crazier too, because I think that's the biggest crowd I've ever seen a movie with. And just everyone's like love for Black Panther, for T'Challa, for Chadwick Boseman 
it was just so obvious and i think like it's really a testament to how great an actor he was and how great a person he was you know that he was able to reach out and touch so many lives through the screen mm -hmm. definitely had a really big influence like i know the nba had a bunch of tributes to him uh, mm -hmm. in during last night's games uh, and i know that uh, same thing with the mlb you know baseball obviously yeah. with jackie robbins and stuff yeah um what other movies have you guys seen, man? I mean, we've talked about The Five Bloods and Black Panther on here before, but I guess, do you know if you've seen him in any other stuff? Um, I know that there was a movie, I haven't seen the movie, but there was one where he plays a cop, and I wanted to watch it. I 21 it Bridges? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Nice. That was with the Rooster Brothers as well. Uh, what about you, Ty? Yeah, outside of, I'm just trying to see here. Um, I know he was in Marshall, and I've been meaning to watch Marshall for a oh, long right. time. Yeah. Um, I've seen, I've seen Gods of Egypt, but it wasn't necessarily like a fantastic movie. Yeah. <laughs> but I know that he's technically in it. Uh, I forgot that he was one, in it. Yeah, the other one that um, I think he's really well known for is Get On Up. Yeah. Um, which I've also been meaning to see. I've heard, I've heard it's pretty good, pretty good uh, kind of historical drama. Yeah. I don't know if you guys um, saw Draft Day, but I believe he's like the big uh, player that like gets drafted um, and has the whole yeah. arc throughout the movie. Um, I think that's just another example of him like elevating a role uh, early on in his career. You know, that's also a great underrated movie. So if you want to check out some more Chadwick Boseman performances this weekend, check out all of those. Uh, check out Forty Two, which Tyler talked about earlier. Um, and check out the Five Bloods and Black Panther. So, yeah, he's definitely a he was a talented actor and definitely a cultural icon, especially for our generation. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the impact he had on like just on the entertainment industry alone is like immeasurable. Like uh, the guy who's going to play Shang Chi in uh, in the Marvel movies like in two years or something uh Simu Liu he like said without Chadwick Boseman uh there would have been no like pathway paved for me to play Shang-Chi like for an Asian person to take on the lead role you know like mm -hmm. Chadwick Boseman really opened up the doors and showed like how diversity really helps <laughs> entertainment so yeah. yeah Chadwick Boseman will be missed by all of us uh if you are looking to learn more about him and his roles, check out any of the movies we talked about earlier. A lot of them are on streaming services, I believe, so definitely go check them out. Um, but anyways, I think on to a more lighter note, uh, let's <laughs> back to Memento. Uh, so as we mentioned earlier, Memento is the second Nolan movie, I believe, but the first really big one that anyone really knew about. So before we get into talking about what we liked, anybody want to try and explain the plot a little to the best of their <laughs> understanding? Andrew, you watched it last night. Why don't you I go ahead and do it for us? Night. Okay, um, <laughs> I was very, I was confused watching it. So am I supposed to explain it in the way I see it or try and do it chronologically? Uh, just do it mm. the most, the simplest way without like, doing spoiler stuff you know just a basic explanation oh okay yeah yeah so basically the movie's about this guy leonard who 
uh, he has short-term memory loss. I forgot what like the scientific name for it is, mm -hmm. but basically he amnesia. Yes, <laughs> but basically he can't make any new memories, so he like forgets anything that happened more than like ten minutes ago, fifteen minutes ago. I don't exactly know how long, but he just like forgets everything if he doesn't stay really focused on it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so it's basically about this guy, and he's trying to find the person that raped and killed his wife so he can get revenge. Mm -hmm. That's the story of the movie. But it is very confusing because the way they present it is like backwards chronologically and so I think it's really cool we'll probably talk about it more but it kind yeah. of reflects like what Leonard knows as he's doing everything as he like doesn't know the past basically yeah I think the way it goes it like kind of works backwards from where like where the story ends it starts there and it mm -hmm. moves backward while also moving forward in other scenes and eventually they both just meet up and then you get taken back to the end and you kind of, or I don't think you get taken back to the you end. You don't get Never taken mind. back, but yeah. you know what happens at the end. So you're yeah. like, dang. <laughs> you, you kind of realize how, it's like one of those movies where they you know what happened and you're not trying to figure out what happened, but like how it happened. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I feel like for me personally, uh, being the big fan of Pulp Fiction that I am and seeing that kind of style of movie, the mm -hmm. first time I watched this, I kind of expected the same thing going into it because I had heard about it. But um, I think this one was a little bit simpler for me to watch just because it was all step by step just in reverse order. Like Pulp Fiction has a bunch of random steps, I feel like, that are just sorted around in a random order, but this movie goes from end to beginning, all step mm -hmm. by step. And so I think um, also, I think also there's like two types of scenes in the movie where it's like, one's like black and white and one yeah. in color, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I guess we can talk about those too. Yeah, so like the black and white scenes are going from the chronological like start forward and then yeah. the color ones are like going step by step backwards and so like mm -hmm. it's it's weird because it cuts in and out too and you're kind of like okay what is going on now i was watching it with my dad and he was like i have no idea what's going on i'm going to sleep <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah um, when i was watching it with my sister we got like I think by the third scene in, we had figured out that, oh, it's supposed to be backwards. Because the first yeah. couple you watch, and you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why would this yeah. happen after this? But then you realize it's going backwards, so. Yeah. It's kind of tough to talk about this one without spoilers, so I think we'll just start talking about them here. Because um, it starts off with you figuring out, finding out that uh, Lenny has killed his friend Teddy, you know? Well... Who you also, don't know if he's his friend or not when you're like... Well, yeah, but... Him, yeah. But then Teddy appears in every scene after. Yeah. <laughs> which is definitely yeah. confusing if, like, Neil, you didn't know that uh, the movie is happening backwards. <laughs> right. 
Neil, did you watch it for the first time recently, or have you seen it before? Uh, I, I had seen it a couple years ago, and then I <coughs> recently rewatched it. By recently, I mean like probably a month-ish ago, I rewatched mm-hmm. it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ty? Yeah, I've actually only seen this one once a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember pretty well uh, that the story, I, I do enjoy how the story kind of converges on the center of the plot. You know, like, I think it's pretty unique for a movie to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like what Neil did by kind of comparing it to Pulp Fiction because it is a similar kind of idea. And it came out, um, you know, within they came out within like five years of each other, probably. Yeah. So mm-hmm. pretty similar uh, ideas for kind of this, this, this new chronological telling of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that was, that was interesting. Enjoy that a lot. Yeah, I, I really dig how, like, you, you don't really know how you got to, like, how things got to the way they are um, by the end of the movie, which is really the beginning, mm-hmm. you mean? You know? Um, like, uh, you learn more about Teddy and Lenny's relationship the later you get in the movie, which is how it would go, but you're actually getting to like the beginning stages of their relationship, which I think is a very interesting thing. I also think, um, just from like that first scene, you kind of get like tenant vibes. Like if you've seen the trailers for tenant, um, the beginning scene is like the gun going back into, or the bullet going back into the gun. Like everything happens in reverse. So it's very interesting to see like, Christopher Nolan starting to play with the ideas of time just from, like, in, I think this came out in 2000, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah. 2000. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely, I really enjoyed the way the story was put together, you know, how they do mm-hmm. it backwards. I think it fit perfectly. Yeah. Um, I mean, with the story they were telling. The only thing was, like, by the time you get to the end of the movie, I don't know, I didn't feel like, like in the in the social network, it's where mm-hmm. like, you don't really like any of the characters that much, yeah. but I feel like they're still kind of relatable, and mm-hmm. in this movie, I didn't, I don't know, personally, I couldn't really relate to any of the characters, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm what, not Andrew, like a you don't have, dealer. I don't have, you don't have retrograde amnesia. <laughs> I mean, like, I could relate to Leonard as the story was being told because I didn't know, like, what the past was in the movie. But, like, yeah. pers- on a personal level, I was like, what? <laughs> I yeah. Don't know. Like, it just, it didn't resonate with me as much. Mm-hmm. It was definitely an interesting story. It was just, I don't know. I think I would have liked it more if I could relate to it more. Yeah. I definitely think that's that's a common theme in most Nolan movies is like I don't feel like most of the characters sacrificing the the characters for, for know, like the chronological storytelling and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. You know, like I don't think like I think Bruce Wayne is probably his most relatable protagonist or character, you know? And then like maybe uh mm-hmm. Whoever Matthew McConaughey plays in Interstellar, I don't remember his name, uh, but oh feel, yeah, uh, Cooper. Yeah, I don't think like Leo in Inception is that relatable of a character. I don't think uh, mm-hmm. the leads in Dunkirk are, which I think is a big Nolan thing, where he kind of sacrifices character for 
all of his plot and world building, you know? Yeah. Kind of to, to go off, I think that he sacrifices character emotion primarily. Mm-hmm. That's always, that's what always I've heard as his uh, big, biggest criticism is that he will kind of create these really emotionally devoid characters um, yeah. in exchange for having them go through these like incredible journeys, these, these like these fantastic plots. Um, but I do know that, yeah, like what, what those people really don't like, and I think it's, it is on display in this movie, like all of his movies is that the, um, the, you know, emotions of the character aren't like truly hashed out like some movies. Yeah. His, um, Guy Pierce's character, uh, what's his name again? Uh, Leonard, Leonard. Leonard. Yeah. 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 Uh, he does feel very like one dimensional in his character because of that, um, amnesia aspect where like, yeah. He's very much fixated on one thing and one thing only, and he doesn't. I feel like he isn't really able to provide any emotions other than just like confusion or want for revenge, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he resets in every scene, you know. Yeah, so, that's kind uh, of part of the story. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know it. It was acceptable <coughs> for me, but it's definitely like something not in the movie where I don't know how he would have included emotion mm-hmm. for leonard like i mean he gets like angry at one point and it's like yeah you know like you could get angry in a few minutes yeah right yeah. uh but it's just kind of the situation it's difficult to present that even mm-hmm. if it's something i would like to be in the movie yeah it's it's definitely kind of like nolan writing himself into a corner yeah. where like you really don't have a way to include that emotion even if you'd like to Right. And I think Nolan's main goal was to um, paint the picture of Leonard as kind of this unreliable, not unreliable, but so he, I mean, he has amnesia, right? Mm -hmm. So he can only remember up to a certain extent, certain things. And I guess based on the end scene that we all, or his, the confrontation with, um, uh, what's his name, Teddy? Yeah. And how Teddy, you know, you mm-hmm. know what Teddy, t- I don't know if I should say, because it's kind of a big spoiler, but we'll it's yeah, just we'll kind of like, it, yeah. right. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of it is just has to do with some of the memories that Leonard is trying to remember as to how mm-hmm. his wife got raped and killed. Um, some of them being real and others being what he wants to believe to just keep it yeah. going in his mind. I, I definitely think you're right. I think, Leonard is supposed to be like an unreliable narrator, you know, like you aren't really sure if you're supposed to believe everything he says. And then of course we get to what you're talking about at the end with um, the confrontation with Teddy and you learn like his whole purpose is built on a lie. Like his wife did survive Uh, the idea that he most likely is Sammy Jenkins and he's just like creating that story to make himself feel better or like to hide the pain, you know? And then, of course, I think, like, the big whammy that, like, we get, and big spoiler alert, but, um, like, he already killed John G, who he's been tracking the whole movie. Like, he's killed, like, tons of people who Teddy has told him are John G, you know? Yeah. This is what I'm thinking. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, so this is kind of a fan theory from my first watch, right? Yeah. But he has, like, I think five or six different, like, fact this tattoos. Yeah, has like a different detail about the guy, and like as it gets closer to the end of the movie, yeah, he, 
you see him getting the tattoo of the license plate and that's like Teddy's license plate. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at that point you see him like basically setting himself up to eventually kill this guy, right? Yeah. And so sorry, that was a big spoiler. But I think we've accepted that we're gonna do that by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but good. like he's playing himself to like like he's setting himself up so he's Oh like, he he definitely like, is. And like, the thing is, he trusts himself completely, mm-hmm. and he doesn't accept that he is the one, like, lying to himself, which, I don't know, it's very weird mm-hmm. that he can do that. And then, I kind of lost my train of thought. You, you get to, with. I mean... Oh, I was going to say, like, I feel like each fact that he had tattooed was, like, mm-hmm. another guy that he set himself after as John G. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean... Just from a... Uh, go ahead, Neil. Go ahead, Neil. Well, I was just going to say, just from a scientific standpoint, um, retrograde amnesia comes with, like, a lot of other psychological problems, right? And so, um, I forgot the official name for it, but I'm sure he has that complex on his mind where he really does believe what he thinks about what happened to his wife and and all these mm-hmm. different John G's who he's tracking down. And then once he finds a John G and kills him, that amnesia causes him to forget about it. So in his head again, it's like, yeah. okay, I have to find my wife's killer. Like who, and he just starts over and it's just this endless cycle for him really until he gets older, I guess. It's, it's definitely hinted at in the movie, like um, midway through the movie, someone says to him, like, who knows, you probably have already killed John G. How would you remember? Like, uh, that's very yeah, clearly said, Dimonet. It's either Natalie or Teddy says it's him, because um, they're the two he interacts with the most. Most, but um, by the time we get to the end, you kind of realize you see how how he is setting himself up to kill Teddy. Like it's very purposeful. Like he is the one. He like he writes. He is the one. Don't trust his lies or whatever mm-hmm. on that thing. Like for no apparent reason. So like. By the end of the movie, which is really around like the middle, he's he set himself <laughs> up to um, to kill Teddy, and then the rest of the movie, as you work backwards, is really just like figuring out how he's remembering that Teddy is the one that like he has to get, you know, which I think is really interesting. And Andrew, like you were saying, he definitely he trusts himself more than anyone else. To the point where, like, I feel like he has more control than he believes. Like, yeah. he's he's able to make those decisions. Like, he's the one that I want to kill. Like, even if he doesn't really have all the memories to back it up, he's able to make those decisions, which is a very interesting part of his character. Um, yeah. it, it, I think Andrew, you also brought it up. We we really didn't talk about it, but the tattoos. The tattoos are a big part of the movie, which. Um, I don't know, I thought that that was a very interesting way of, like, him, you know, like, him saying you can only trust your own handwriting, so he's literally tattooing his own body as, like, a permanent way of Mm -hmm. maintaining all of that information. It's his system, as he puts it, you know? Yeah, (laughs) right. And the irony in that is, of course, you know, you learn that he can't really even trust himself, you know? Yeah. And so there's been, like... You know, he, he, is, he is tattooing himself and he is, like, writing the right thing. 
Um, mm-hmm. But of course, his yeah, he kind of resets every once in a while, and that yeah. causes uh, that causes a lot of the issues with his character and with the plot. Yeah, um, I do. I've seen like a few videos where it's like tattoo artists reviewing like famous tattoos for movies and stuff, and of course they talk about Memento because it's one of the biggest ones, and their their big thing is like they're not good tattoos like they look very poorly done and everything like i think at one point he does it with like a pen like he does a stick and poke or something but um they they also appreciate that because like what guy is going to be able to perfectly tattoo himself when yeah this is like just a very crude way of recording all of his information yeah i wasn't Uh, mad about his tattoos looking a little weird you weren't. He wasn't mad about him. I wasn't mad about it. Yeah. He's just like it's like when you write a note on your hand, but it's forever. Yeah. <laughs> I I do love all the moments where like he realizes he has all the tattoos because he forgets it in between every scene. Yeah. So then right. there's several moments where like he catches a glimpse of like the tattoo in his hand, or like, like takes all his. Yeah, or like he looks like, in the mirror and he sees. And he remembers his purpose again. One yeah. thing I really love about this movie, um, and of course I've never had to like experience anything like this or even known anyone to experience anything like this, but just the um, the way it portrays the retrograde amnesia, I think mm-hmm. is really, really cool because it, it's, from what I can tell, it's pretty accurate. I know it received a lot of praise for like, you know, kind of making that known, and, like portraying it in a way that, that people would kind of learn about it because um, I think it does a pretty good job of showing what uh, we're living with that is actually like so I think that's pretty cool yeah it's it's definitely like it's kind of like finding Dory but R-rated you know in live action <laughs> it's the live action R-rated adaptation of finding Dory there you go of all the yeah. things you could have said I did not expect you to say that Neil, Neil what were you expecting me to compare it to if not, not finding not Dory that. Not finding Dory, I don't even know, man. Just not Dude, that. Leonard is Dory. It's like it's not. It's actually bad. not a bad comparison. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. He literally is. Oh Look, the moment you meet Dory, she forgets everything. Like thirty seconds later, how how much worse is Leonard? You know. Yeah, I don't and think I, Dory's I think killing I, people though. Yeah, no, I don't know. We've only seen <laughs> we've only remember. seen like three hours worth of Dory Tyler. We don't know what yeah, happens. She she wouldn't remember and she wouldn't remember <laughs> it. <laughs> exactly. You know when Dory got lost, um, I'm assuming she killed some people, like along her journey. You know some people that were trying Ow. to kill her. I'm assuming she killed some people on accident. We just didn't see that. It's probably true. Honestly. Yeah. Imagine Dory if they told Finding Dory backwards. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> we need to get a cut of Finding Dory that's like in the same structure as Memento. Yeah. So that then you can watch Finding Dory in a way that is like yeah. Memento. You could like black and white some of the, you could make some of the themes black and white. Yeah, I think yeah. there's there's the moments where uh Dory like there's the flashbacks to Dory's past, like before she gets lost and everything. See, you do those flashbacks in black and white, and then everything right. else is in the normal order, but you just put it backwards. I honestly think we should make that cut, you know? I'd watch it. Yeah. 
Um, but speaking of recut versions of uh, memory loss movies, I I'm intrigued what you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious what you guys would think of if Memento was cut completely differently. You know, if it was told like from front to back, just yeah, completely I mean, normally. I was looking into this because as mm-hmm. soon as I watched the movie, I was like, okay, is there a way I can watch it like forwards? <laughs> so apparently there's uh there's like a limited edition dvd uh-huh. and if you if, it's basically like an easter egg but if you like do something in the special features yeah it'll let you watch a cut where everything is put in order uh-huh and i was like man i want to watch this and i think it's there's also a cut that you, you can just watch online if you look it up yeah but it's i think i thought it was really cool that they included it in one of the dvds yeah i know every time like every time a movie really like screws with time and everything in the way like like they tell things non-linearly whenever like someone on reddit or something like is like hey i cut the movie to be uh (laughs) in chronological order everyone gets pissed at that person you know like i think Someone did that to Pulp Fiction. Was, everyone's like, why would you do that? Like, what's the point? Uh, I mean, but I think I mean, it's it, cool that, like, there's an official version of it. Yeah. I mean, watching it in chronological order probably is a much worse movie. Yeah. I would say, like, I mean, I said before, I don't know if I would really enjoy this movie a ton if it was forward, just because I can't relate to the characters. And, like, you definitely wouldn't be able to relate to Leonard basically at all. Mm-hmm. It would just be like, you're watching this movie and he's forgetting everything like a minute later and you're like, okay, what? Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like it wouldn't, there wouldn't be that much drive to keep watching the movie, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think the backwards definitely keeps it engaging. And definitely. It's its biggest strength, I'd say. It, it definitely also... Um, it gives you very clear moments like where you realize that he's experiencing the amnesia. Like every time a scene cuts off um, or yeah, you ba- every time a scene starts is basically like when his amnesia has hit. So by the time you get to the next scene, which is actually like the scene before you're seeing like everything that happened and what he's forgetting. Yeah. Right. I did where- think there is a, there's one scene where he's chasing Dodd or whatever, mm-hmm. and the the first time it shows the scene, it, it starts with him just like running, and he's mm-hmm. like, "What am I doing? I'm chasing this guy!" And then he yeah. like shoots at him, and he's like, "Oh no, he's chasing me!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was really funny. I like that. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think the the weird timeline is the movie's biggest strength. Like the let's be honest like that's that's nolan's biggest thing like being able to mess with how you view a movie and how stories should be something, told yeah add something you've never seen before because i know that like um i don't know does does any other nolan movie have like a weird timeline like this i i think dunkirk right dunkirk is non-linear like basically completely and then like yeah inception is also kind of weird because you don't know like how time is inception. working that one but it's, it's not yeah, like it's still technically chronological. It's linear. And same yeah. thing with Interstellar, but they just mm-hmm. he just plays with the notion of time in both of those movies a lot. Yeah, and even movies like um, like the Dark Knight trilogy, there's so many different scenes that happen, um, you know, kind of in order. Um, yeah. But 
like kind of rapid fire that yeah. it's easy to get confused with the plot. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he shows a lot of different things happening at the same moment in time, but in different right. places. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, he, it's very, I think it's like, I don't know what, uh, everything happens at the same time, like concurrently, but it's all happening in different scenes, which right. is a bit weird, and, but it's also like a very common filmmaking technique. I think Memento and um, what's uh, what were what was the other one that we were talking Dunkirk. about? Dunkirk. Dunkirk are like the two big ones where he really messes with uh, linear storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think this is also like the origin of a lot of Nolan tropes, you know. So obviously there's the messing with time. Then there's also the protagonist with a dead wife. The oh, big man. the big <laughs> Nolan. Uh, I think. What, like, what, are, what are all the Nolan movies that have dead wives in it? Let's let's go back and think. So we got Inception. We got Inception. Inception. That's probably the biggest. Inception you know. is the big one. That's Interstellar, I think so, right? Also, because yeah. uh, Cooper, yeah. Cooper's wife yeah. would be dead. Dark Knight uh, got dead, dead parents. Does that count? Kind of. And like yeah, spoilers for everything. And, <laughs> and all of his girlfriends are dead. So, you know, Bruce yeah, Wayne right. can't find love. Could be um, wives. Prestige. prestige, prestige is yeah. yeah. We haven't uh, even talked about yeah. prestige. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Pre- it's so uh, good. We, don't worry, you, we're gonna. If you love prestige, yeah. here's a little hint: prestige is up next. So, come back yes. next week or in a few days, not next week. Oh. Um. So, are those really the only four? Dunkirk doesn't really have one. Um. Well, and the Dark Knight trilogy is three movies technically. So, okay, six movies. Right. I'm guessing it's like the majority of his movies feature that. I'm guessing Tenet is gonna have a dead wife, you know, like see, yeah. We I haven't seen it yet, but I'm assuming there's a dead wife in there somewhere, <laughs> or a wife will die, because they just have to. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the wife will die. <laughs> Bold prediction, I know. Yeah, that's um, it's a valid prediction though. I mean, yeah. Just going off of what we know. Mm-hmm. Um, what what are the other tropes you were thinking? Of? I I don't remember. Shoot. Well, there's the the big one is just like, you know, the idea of Christopher Nolan just like sitting around every day and then just like suddenly being like stressed out by the idea of time. You know, just right, he's right. constantly like freaking out and stressed Some out. Some aspect of time. Yeah. Is terrifying him. Yeah. I think we need to check up on this man because he's always yeah. like putting like all the, the worst things that could happen that are time related into movies, you know? Uh-huh. He's he's actually aging backwards. <laughs> Nolan Christopher Nolan is Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button, yeah. Um I do love the idea of like Nolan just being like his biggest phobia is time and dying, so like every movie he makes is just him trying to come to terms with the fact that or him trying to say that like time doesn't have to be linear, it doesn't have to keep moving forward, and you don't just have to die. But like, he's just freaked out by the idea of eventually having to die one day. I'd love that. I've also seen a bunch of memes about you know the dead wife thing about how like every Nolan movie does have a dead wife, and then like Nolan's biggest producing partner is his wife. Yeah. You oh, know? Right. <laughs> he's, he's like so she's my inspiration. Very afraid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we better keep an eye on that guy. Yeah. Before he pull, pulls a dominant inception. 
Okay, that's his uh, <laughs> second degree oh, fear. What? His wife? His wife dying. No, no, no one's biggest fear is that his wife is going to kill him, so he just kills his wife in every movie. No, no, so his greatest fear is him dying, right? So yeah. he, he, like, second greatest fear, wife dying. No, no, his, his greatest fear is time killing him. His second greatest fear is his wife killing him. How about this? So, Why don't we just interview him and ask him ourselves? Yeah, yeah just, Mr. Nolan, if you're, uh, if you're out there, we'd yeah. love to interview you. About yeah, just, the, uh, about we, your two greatest fears. We have, we have several questions. Lots of I'd questions. I'd actually poop my pants if you showed up <laughs> on our call. I'd actually cry. Well, Neil, now that you speak of it, uh, we do actually have a guest coming right up right now. <laughs> hey, look, can, can you imagine if I, if I had, like, surprise, just pulled out Christopher <laughs> Nolan right oh, now? Dude, I'd pass <laughs> out in my chair. He was <laughs> waiting <laughs> in the other room. Like, I, yeah, like he I just... passes out. <laughs> I just add him to the Skype, and he's like, hey, what's up, guys? Actually, actually Christopher Nolan's actually listened show. to every episode of Double Stuff Cinema before. He's, uh, he knows, yeah, he, he's actually sent me all the correct rankings for everything. He, he listened to our the tenant episode. rankings? Yeah, because he doesn't think our rankings are right for any of our things. Uh, he listened to the tenant episode. He, he sent us an advanced <laughs> copy, you know, everything. Yeah, if by Christopher Nolan you mean Mr. Paul, then that's yeah, <laughs> basically the same person. Yeah, I, I feel like that. I feel like if Mr. Hall uh, really wanted to, he could really mess with time. You know, do do you think Mr. Hall is also terrified by uh by the always the, inevit the inevitability of time? Of time, yeah. I we think that's some. Yeah, I'd say I'm terrified <laughs> by that. Andrew, has this episode really made you think about that? Now, are you gonna? You know, hang up on us and then just sit in your room thinking about how time is always advancing. I might later, but right now it's kind of a joke, so no. <laughs> you don't have time for that right now? Yeah, I don't have time. <laughs> well, I think we've said all we got to say about Memento. I don't know if you guys have anything more you'd like to add about this movie. I don't yeah. think so, but... Um, I, I would say it's worth a watch, but you got to be ready to think... You got to be ready to not understand it, it probably. Yeah. Yeah. Not understand it till like the last five minutes, basically. Yeah. But as Andrew said, definitely worth checking out. Um, other than that, uh, if you've been listening to all of our episodes, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, check out our merch on Redbubble. You can look up Double Stuff Cinema or click the link in our description. But other than that, this has been Double Stuff Cinema. Thanks for listening. Get stuffed.